On this edition of Multiverse News, Ahsoka is airing today. Disney surprises with Percy Jackson show date. The Flash comes to Max while Blue Beetle beats Barbie and Gun talks more Superman. Plus, the Monsterverse returns with more Godzilla. That news and more awaits you after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair, sitting in for Matthew Carroll, and it is truly an episode of Multiverse News. We are embracing the multiverse and the variants. Happy to be here, and I am joined by a lovely cast of characters here, starting with Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. What's up, Haley? What's up? Ahsoka's today. That's all that matters. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast. What's happening, Jay? I'm doing great. Yeah, Haley's like checking her watch constantly. Like, when is this going to be over? Like, I got to get yeah, to Ahsoka. Like, like <laughs> we got we to gotta speed it up tonight, guys. Can For we sure. Read the faster? shortest episode of Multiverse News <laughs> in history. <laughs> and making his return to Multiverse News, Jeff Randall. Welcome back, Jeff. I beg to differ on shortest episode. This is actually going to be the longest episode <laughs> because <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> The gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> we're ready for all this Percy Jackson takes, and we're just going to draw this thing out. <laughs> I just have a tendency to be a touch long-winded and maybe derail things. Never. Me? <laughs> That's why we love you, Jeff. Is it? <laughs> uh, you know. That's why we love you on your podcast. <laughs> sure. Sure. Not this one. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, with that... Keeping in mind that we do have Ahsoka airing very soon, we'll go ahead and get rocking and rolling with a story about Ahsoka. In a surprising move, the Ahsoka live-action series two-episode premiere was moved from Wednesday, August 23rd, to, well, pretty much right now, August 22nd at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Disney has been pushing this show with TV spots, trailers, ads, interviews, and more in a way that feels more intentional than some of their previous properties. Why the bump for the highly anticipated show? And is Haley going to blip out to watch it soon? <laughs> I wanted nothing more than for my screen to go blank and for there to be like an off-air tone. <laughs> I love that. It would have been so funny. Uh, I have to wait anyway to watch tonight. So we'll get there. We'll get there. But mm. I've been fascinated by Disney's approach to marketing this show. Ahsoka was introduced back in 2008 in the Clone Wars movie. She was not a well-received character. Flash forward all these years, she's one of the most beloved characters in the franchise. And so we know that Dave Filoni created her with George Lucas and that she's, you know, definitely something he holds close to his heart. So with him and Jon Favreau at the helm, I think that they're really wanting to make this show a huge event leading towards his Mandoverse movie that's going to come out in the future. Um, And I think we're going to see... Just, I don't know, really wild stuff in this show that maybe a lot of Star Wars fans haven't seen before. If you haven't watched the animated stuff, which is totally fine. They say that you don't have to have watched it to see the show. If you want to know about Rebels, though, check out Animation Deliberation. Some cool people did a breakdown on that show. 
me, Sue Hare. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know why they bumped um, bumped the time of the release either. It made me think of our discussion last week when we talked about streaming and network TV. Um, this is kind of airing like at a network TV time. And so it's challenging for me schedule-wise, but it's probably a good thing for fans who don't want to be spoiled. Um, a lot of us didn't wake up at 2 a.m. like Jeff and Matt do for stuff. <laughs> listen, um, listen, listen. Those guys, <laughs> heroes to all. Uh, and so I wish we would get to know, and maybe we will, kind of what the reception of this is, how it goes. Yeah. This is, like we've talked about before, Disney Plus, like playing with a streaming formula and kind of seeing what works. I'm honestly kind of worried about it, to, to be honest, because like um, the the recent announcements of like the WandaVision DVD and the Loki DVDs being out there, and then they're moving this show to come out on primetime. Like if the if the Disney Plus thing was working, they'd stick with it. They'd stick mm. with exactly what's working. But like now they're changing it, and then they're releasing stuff on like on hard copy. Ugh, Disney Plus might not be long for this world. I don't want to put that out there. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm scared. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. And my first thought kind of went to the same space when you when you talk about these physical releases we're getting. But I actually looked at the ones that have been confirmed, and we're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves in terms of talking about these physical releases. But I do think it, it all kind of ties together. And it's it's Loki, it's WandaVision, and it's The Mandalorian. And like those are far and away some of the best received uh, Disney Plus series. I think it's. Andor is kind of the anomaly there, but maybe it hasn't been out quite long enough that they kind of want to milk um, their ability to continue having streaming be the primary way that people see that. But Haley, you brought up a really interesting point about like the schedule shift taking place uh, basically at network TV time. And I hadn't really picked up on that, but I think that's pretty astute and I think it makes a lot of sense. I do think in terms of kind of like the buzz and fever pitch and anticipation that's happening around the series, like I feel it more so than I have for any series in a really long time. Like Secret Invasion, sure, people were excited for that, but uh, I even like the most recent season of The Mandalorian. Like I didn't I don't feel like people had the same level of excitement and anticipation that we have for Ahsoka. And um, you know, I am one of those people like I have not watched Rebels and you know Everything I'm hearing that this is basically, you know, from Dave Filoni's mouth that it's uh, Rebels Season 5. You know, I, I'm going into it with an open mind and hoping that all, you know, enough will be there for me to to pick up on the characters that I am familiar with. I've been exposed to a fair amount of, of you know, Rebel stories through the Bad Batch and some of the episodes of The Clone Wars I have seen. I have um, see, started to see a few reviews come out that are, like, spoiler-free, and they do seem to be all over the place. Like, some people are saying, if you're a diehard Star Wars fan, like, this is for you. Other people saying, you know, there's not enough hand-holding there if you're not familiar with these characters. But the through-line that has has been, you know, consistent across the board is that the production design and the money that they put into this is, is clearly there. And like that trailer that we got, I think really sh showcases that. So I'm pretty excited for this one. And I do think um, in terms of like experimenting with release strategies, even though this one was last minute and kind of caught us with all with our pants down, uh, I think it makes more sense than something like Echo being released all at once, just doing something so entirely different. Like this yeah. feels like more of a vote of confidence where Echo's release strategy feels like, okay, let's just get this out of the way. 
<laughs> I, I actually kind of love this as a release strategy, and it's because I never watch the shows at two in the morning. I always have to do it in the evening anyway. Um, I would see it from the perspective of somebody who like maybe works from home and wants to catch it in the afternoon, or someone who goes to work a little bit later and wants to catch it in the morning or whatever. And they've kind of gotten used to that with Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, for me, like I love the idea of event television. If you are trying to capture that sort of HBO high point, like Game of Thrones, and if you're trying to capture kind of what they were doing with succession uh what Mm -hmm. amc was doing years ago with like mad men and breaking bad where you're hitting it on the weekend you're hitting it at a high point millions of people are tuning in and then the water cooler starts the next day that's really what you're really trying to aim for here uh if you're disney and to me i think this show probably more than than most i mean especially if the mandalorian ends up getting another season you're probably looking at a lot of potential for that uh to be able to to do that and as someone who personally uh, has an axe to grind with simu liu because he spoiled uh luke skywalker's reveal in the mandalorian at six in the morning the day after it was released i'm totally fine with uh you know doing this event style Which, look, I, don't come for me, by the way, on, like, stay off social media. <laughs> Why were you on social media? Like, yeah. I get, okay, just whatever, okay? <laughs> it was six in the morning, okay? <laughs> dare you disparage the name of Shang-Chi. Sounds like Jay wants to beach off right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went and saw Shang-Chi, okay? I still, gave, I still gave my money, all right? But, like, the whole time I was like... He he did it. He he spoiled that for me. I could have I could have had a moment and I didn't have it because of you, yeah, for sure. Could have been your doing villain such a turn. great job in this movie. This I is, can't be mad. This at is him. my villain origin story. <laughs> right. But it was okay. Can I revisit the fact that it was six in the morning? Like, why did sure. he tweet that at six in the morning? Okay, go ahead. Just let's. Maybe he'd been raging all night, yo. <laughs> you kind of feel like that that new Spider-Man villain, the Spot. <laughs> hmm. My villain origin story is because you threw a bagel at my head. Seemingly, you threw a bagel at your head is what happened. Figuratively speaking, he did. Literally speaking, he just missed. (laughs) But he got you with the tweet. I love that. (laughs) All right. Moving on, we're still staying in the Disney Plus realm of things, talking about a new series. Beloved young adult book series Percy Jackson and the Olympians is coming to Disney Plus this December. The media Megazoid released a trailer on Monday to hype the two-episode premiere starting December 20th. The Percy Jackson books are beloved by fans worldwide, but this release has been kept fairly quiet until now. Does Disney have another hit series on its hands, or will the gods have to work to make us like it? So, after those two movies, there's a bit of a loss of faith (laughs) in the the live-action Percy Jackson brand, uh, for me especially. Like, I read all of the books and absolutely loved them. I'm actually probably just going to go back and read them again. I'm big Rick Riordan fan. Uh, but the trailer that they let, that they released, uh, that they put out to the world looks pretty solid based on like what I had in my head uh, when I was reading, you know, cause we all make the pictures in our head and everything. Right. Um, the problem with the, the first, like with the movie, uh, the Lightning Thief, and then uh, the subsequent Sea of Monsters is like they they took like inspiration from the books and then didn't really stay true to them in any way, and like they didn't do anything to like lay the foundation for a larger verse or a larger story. Uh, they were just like, ah, one and done, cool, good enough. And I think that they've taken a bit more of a key from uh, from you know Marvel, DC, etc. That like. 
and especially in the Harry Potter, because that's kind of what I equate this most to with it being kind of a kid series and fantastical. It's like, no, th- these people really want to see like a, a true to the story kind of long form take on on this particular story or really any story that they grew up reading. Uh, and I think that this one definitely has uh, the it's got the meat in the story to keep it going. And then based on the like 30 seconds of trailer that I saw, I'm like, holy crap, that's the beach scene. Ah, he's going to fight Aries. Like things that uh, had not happened in the movie before that may happen in the series. Like it's giving me hope. It's, it's giving me a lot of hope. Okay. Jess in the chat says that this is her most anticipated Disney plus show and that Rick Riordan, Riordan is heavily involved in the series. So I put cool. this in main stories because yeah. the response I saw online was huge. I haven't read these books. They're now on my to-be-read list because I think it'd be fun to cover it over on source pages. But yeah, I was like, this is clearly a really important book series to a lot of people. And I remember the movies not being received well. So hopefully this rectifies that. Yeah, I don't remember. I saw the first film and I don't remember anything about it other than it had Logan Lerman in it. That is all (laughs) I remember about it. But uh, in terms of this trailer, I, I honestly think Jeff, your analysis and like hearing about this like fervor and buzz that there is amongst the fandom, like that's what excites me more than anything. This trailer didn't really do it for me as someone that has not been exposed to this stuff like at all. I was a little confused with like who the title character was. Like, I guess I could make an educated guess that like of the lineup of these three heroes we have standing there, I probably know which one Percy Jackson is. But in terms of like the camera placement and and everything, like he just did not seem like he featured prominently. So, um, I found myself scratching my head a little bit at that. But uh, one of the things I did learn about reading up about it is that Lance Reddick is going to, the late Lance Reddick is going to make an appearance as Zeus. So I'm super excited to to continue to get work from that incredible legend uh, of an actor there. But um, I wanted to ask a question and hopefully it doesn't get too spoilery here. If it's too spoilery, just let me know. We can shut it down. But do these books, like, do they stay in the realm or like, in the Greek pantheon or do they explore with other pantheons? Because like, that's where I find myself like the possibilities there is what kind of excites me a little bit more. So I I love that you asked that Uh, Rick Riordan (laughs) did like this, this group of novels, the Percy Jackson series is all all based in the Greek pantheon. Okay. Uh, There's also the trials of Apollo that are based in the Greek pantheon. Um, There is a, another series called the legacy of Cain that is okay. based in uh, Egyptian mythology. Okay. And like, there was a very specific part in the first book where like one of the main characters looks across, sees like the empire state building, like over in New York and like could have sworn. I saw a black Pegasus flying through the clouds Oh wow! Okay. and like very much tied to events of like, I think it's the fourth or fifth book uh, okay. of Percy Jackson. And then um, like one of the, the mentors or whatever is like, Oh no, there's, Different gods handle that side. Like interesting, we okay. don't have to go over there. Uh, and then uh, the lead female character of the Percy Jackson series, Annabeth Chase, her cousin is Magnus Chase, and he's the lead of a Norse mythology nice. uh, set trilogy. And like, okay. he goes through so many different pantheons, and it's like 
it's so cool to see how like all of those can be linked and kind of like an you know old gods new gods you know what's metaphysical uh, maybe they're just all aliens kind of thing hey, careful with that new gods talk that's dc i know how you feel about <laughs> oh, <DC>. my bad <laughs> my bad i did go look like how many per- percy jackson and the olympians books are there there are six but what i think is interesting is that there is one coming out next month september 26 2023 so this oh, is still an wow. active book series uh there are still books being written the universe is still expanding through the written word and it'll be interesting to see that take on uh on i guess the small screen uh on a series but uh, still with a series you have a lot more ability to explore the world and you're not as hamstrung by what a film can do so uh, i think that's an interesting component to it you know this isn't a uh, a series that has been I, I kind of expected like i knew that they have been around for a while i was like well this series probably wrapped four or five years ago but no it's still going now the the last uh last olympian was the like you know the the last book or whatever for the Percy Jackson series original uh the the book that's coming out you know next year is like kind of an add-on sequel-ish type of thing just the they they completed the main story yeah so to speak so it's not necessarily that like the the story is continuing but like the world is definitely still being expanded upon and i i love that that it's kind of this like living universe that we get to influence and and see come to fruition definitely yeah sounds awesome all right so we've talked about star wars we've talked about greek gods now it's time to talk about dc new gods (laughs) like you said (laughs) right with blue beetle in theaters and beating barbie out of its four-week top spot domination fans of dc have been overwhelmingly positive about the new superhero movie featuring relatively unknown hero jaime reyes as blue beetle portrayed by Cobra Kai actor Jolo Maradueña. Its fellow hero movie, The Flash, will premiere on Max next week. There was a lot of talk about comparing the two movies, but Blue Beetle seems to be distinguishing itself as fresh. And of course, we have James Gunn news. Talking to Threads in response to a fan who asked about his upcoming Young Superman movie, Gunn responded, I was never making a Young Superman movie, just a Superman movie. This seems to contrast with a statement Gunn made online in December on the recast of Superman, which read, In the initial stages of our story, we will be focusing on an earlier part of Superman's life, so the character will not be played by Henry Cavill. What do we say? (laughs) Or what say we, rather? There's so much there to talk about. Like The DC brand is in such a strange transitionary place and this blue beat i know the way it led was blue beetles number one at the box office it beat barbie and while that is technically true barbie was in its fourth or fifth week and blue beetle barely beat barbie all right we're talking like two million dollars or something it's barely so we'll talk numbers later i think that's a lightning round topic later but this is not good like the the movie is being well received people are liking it like it's it's certified fresh and rotten tomatoes but like to only scrape together 24 something million dollars or whatever domestically in your opening weekend to have a hundred million dollar budget or so and you would only assume that those numbers will have a pretty steep drop-off. Like, uh, most of the fans have gone out and seen it right now, right? What you're hoping for, if you're DC, is that the word of mouth can get going and people can kind of keep talking about it and encourage more people to go to the theater. But we've kind of seen history here. Like, I know The Flash was not as well-received. A lot of people didn't like it, so that makes sense that it dropped off. But people, uh, I'm comparing it more to Shazam 2, right? Which people liked, and people said, go see this. This is fun. This is good. And, um... 
it performed pretty poorly too. Actually, Shazam even performed better. Uh, it was kind of a disaster in its opening weekend, and it performed better than Blue Beetle. <laughs> it's like DC's like, remember when we had that Shazam money? You know, like it's a, it's not, <laughs> it's not good uh, for for the brand here, and. It's for a lot of different reasons. I think you can attribute some of it to the strike. That's what Hollywood's going to do. They're going to say it's the strike. Sure. We can't get our talent out there. We can't promote it. And I think that's probably true to a degree. I don't think it's going to affect it by huge numbers or anything like that. Past that, I think people never really, the public never really accepted this as part of this DC reboot. And I know James Gunn was very mostly firm about yes this is dcu this is a new character but i just don't think the public bought that uh like like he sort of put it out there and now if you're james gunn and i haven't talked about the superman (laughs) stuff yet but like if you're james gunn you're in such a weird place because what do you do now like you you stumped real hard for this movie you you put it out there you're like we want to make this a dcu character are you going to go to warner brothers now and be like can i make a blue beetle too like they're going to be like no you can't make a blue beetle too mm-hmm. like we lost you know 50 billion dollars or whatever on blue beetle so it's it's so messy it's so complicated and also i'll say this real quick and then i'll let you guys get in because i'm talking too long but like the only reason that we think it's a young superman movie is because james gunn said it was a young superman movie like <laughs> somebody tweeted at him four months ago they were like why don't well, hey man what do you got against henry cavill and he was like he was like uh well uh we're just taking it's going to be about the early stages of superman's life so that's why it's not henry cavill so like yeah. come on now like you told us that <laughs> so like don't get mad when we're like what's the, the deal with young superman you're like i'm not making a young superman so i don't know man. earlier part of his life <laughs> not young just er- early Younger. superman yeah <laughs> The, uh, it's not young Superman, it's early Superman. You, you already got the director of Blue Beetle out there, by the way, just being like, well, when we get to make Blue Beetle 2 and Blue Beetle 3, like he's doubling down on the James Gunn promised me thing. And the James <laughs> Gunn promised me uh, group is getting pretty big. You got Gal in there. You got uh, you got uh, the director of Blue Beetle. Uh, James Gunn, you know, maybe just, uh, just take a few weeks off, I guess. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're not looking forward to Two Beetle, Two Furious? Oh, I liked Blue Beetle. Oh, and I'm not crapping on the movie. I gotta just say, like, I'm not crapping on it. I'm not. It. I'm not crapping on it. Like, You're part of the problem. I'm so happy if you liked it. It's just, this is such a bad first weekend. Like, it's just, it just is. But Jay, you and I talked over the weekend. I said, this was supposed to be direct-to-streaming original, right? Yeah, and you it, said, yeah. yeah. And so, what's the compare, like, what was it going to make, quote-unquote, on max if they hadn't put it out in the theater so would they be taking a hundred million dollar loss instead of a 75 million dollar loss and i think it's going to get a little more i don't think it's going to obviously make what they spent on it but how do you quantify that we don't know how streaming services are quantifying these direct-to-streaming movies it's kind of like is it the uh, rotisserie chicken at costco or these loss leaders to get people (laughs) in you know what i'm talking about like it's just something that we don't know because they're not sharing that information. Yeah. We're going to get them in with Blue Beetle and we, we'll keep them for the How It's Made 24 seasons. <laughs> it was yeah. it was part of that Batgirl era, like where they were like, we're yeah. going to make some Max Oof. movies and they're going to connect to the DCU and Michael Keaton's going to be in them and he's going to kind of be like Tony Star- or Dick Fury or whatever and he's going to assemble all these characters and all that. Well, then we know what happened to Batgirl, you know, RIP. And uh, Blue Beetle, though, they looked at it and they were like, this is actually a good movie. Like, we should we should do something with this. And then they 
kept yeah. making it happen. So being caught in between two worlds, like I don't think it affected it that much story wise. Like it seems like people like it. It's just, mm-hmm. but I think it does affect it image wise. Like I think people mm-hmm. have been hearing about this movie for a couple years now, and they're looking right. at it and saying, "Wait, so this is new DC or whatever?" And Man, we got one more left. We just got Aquaman <laughs> coming down the pike. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's don't, <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, <please>. me either. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, and I won't spoil anything. This is a DCU. This could be a DCU only movie. It could also not be. <laughs> could also not be. But yeah, did you see it, Scotty? I did. I did. Okay. And um, you know, I I've been cautiously optimistic about Blue Beetle. I was rooting for Blue Beetle. And I, you know, even with that being the case, I couldn't help but kind of, you know, have some fears and justifiable fears, apparently, that it was kind of dead on arrival. And I think the one saving grace is that, you know, I I like what you bring up about, like, had it been just released on Max, what does that return on investment look like? And I think the one saving grace here is that it had, you know, for a superhero movie, it had a pretty moderate budget. I think it came in right around $100 So, uh, you know, a $25 million opening weekend is still really soft and not great. But kind of to your point, Jay, uh, hopefully, you know, the positivity and the fact that it's fresh, like the word of mouth grows. And, uh, you know, my my takeaway is um, I enjoyed the movie. I do think it borrowed a lot from a lot of superhero movies we've already seen, but Jolo Maradueña was the standout. And I really hope that just like, you know, having this vehicle, if anything, it just affords him more career opportunities. But uh, the other thing that's been discussed here is like James Gunn. And I, you know, I think part of the like lack of interest for blue beetle here. And I also like, imagine if this had, had opened like, other than like in July instead of August, like it wouldn't have even beat Barbie. So it would have been a complete and total disaster. So, but, uh, you know, talking about DC as like this tarnished brand, I think James Gunn is kind of contributing to that at this point. Like you talking about this camp of growing people that are like, James Gunn told me this, James Gunn told me that. And yeah, he's totally going back on his words. Maybe the word young Superman was not used verbatim, but it was our understanding that this is going to be a super, a fresh face Superman early on in his career. So like, it kind of reminds me of when I was in boot camp for the Navy, like everybody like, came in and was like my recruiter lied to me and it just kind of feels like that like james Gunn lied to me to just get me here but james Gunn promised me you know the meme of the girl that like the house is on fire behind her and she's like evil looking at the camera like yes. that's just <laughs> that is jeff right now like he is like he is like dc burns like, like no no, every no. Time, he's like laughing his head off back there no i'm, I'm laughing because like the, okay, so I, I want DC to do well because, you know, the rising tide raises all ships, right? Yeah, if true. If they make good things, then that's going to push Marvel to not make another Secret Invasion ending. I mean, uh, <laughs> to make everybody's going to make good things because, you know, the, the quality bar is raised. But then when you've got, like, the, the studio is saying one thing, this director saying another thing, who's actually leading, who's driving the thing, uh, and everybody's saying James Gunn promised me, like, when there's there's no faith in the brand from the you know the the end user so to speak um the common viewer uh i couldn't think of anything other than end user cuz i'm a tech guy whatever <laughs> but, <laughs> but when there's no faith in the brand from somebody like me who's just on the street like you know i've already got a max subscription that i'm borrowing i'll just catch it when it comes to max <laughs> kind of thing like yeah. that's such an easy thing for people to do when like there's not really any uh any any faith from everybody being like oh this is the start of the whole big thing like big things are coming and this is a great beginning to it that might have gotten me to go and see it but like 
the brand faith is gone. And yeah. honestly, like the brand faith in DC has been kind of crumbly for a while, but they do occasionally have good, like good things come out. And like when they do, I'm excited for them. And I, I had a post in the Strand of Panda chat at one point where I was like, I am so happy for you guys. And everybody thought I was sarcastic as hell. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, no, I'm actually genuinely excited that you guys got a movie that you like, uh, that you, this, you know, you got what you wanted out of it. And like, I, I want that for Blue Beetle too. And like with you guys saying it's good, I'm like, oh God, but like, uh, <laughs> do I want to waste the money? Or is it a waste though? But like, do I want to spend the money? And like, if I spend the money, then that puts my faith in the brand. And then maybe, but does my $12 count? Mm. You can go see uh, it on yeah. Sunday for like $4. If you, yeah. want. <laughs> <laughs> you bring something up, Jeff, that again, the streaming and the network yeah. and the physical media of it all, like, if we didn't have Max, if this was always going to be a theatrical release, people would go flock to go see it because that's your only option. And to your point, like, is Disney Plus going to go away? Like, are the streamers thinking, uh, maybe we did too much of a good thing for too long? Yeah, we've kind of talked about Pixar as being like a studio that has kind of trained their audience to watch their releases on Disney Plus, that people just don't really go to the theater to watch Pixar anymore and take their whole family and spend all of that money. And looking at Disney Plus and saying, well, this is going to be here in three months. Why would I not watch it at home uh, from the comfort of my home uh, on Disney Plus? And the audience has been trained to do that. And I think DC is going through something similar. Like, I bet this movie will do awesome when it hits max. I bet it'll hit the top of the streaming charts. People will watch it and talk about it and uh, people will be into it. But right now, that just doesn't do much for the studio that's trying desperately to save face around this movie. Uh, DC has kind of like overexerted their audience a little bit. I think their audience is just super frustrated. Like, I think it's just gotten to the point where the DC audience is just like, call me when you're rebooting. Like, we're just, you know, like, I mean, seriously, like, it's gotten to the point where they've just, they've been through so much over this past decade plus. And call me once you figured out your crisis. Especially in the last couple of years with all this, like, Black Adam stuff and Henry Cavill's back and now he's not. And now we got the reboot and that, like, they're just done, man. Like, they're, they're exhausted. <laughs> they're ready to move on to something else. Yeah. Yep. I'm emotionally exhausted with DC. <laughs> Speaking of moving on to something else, shall we? <laughs> there we go. That's why he gets. That's why he gets the big bucks. <laughs> Apple TV Plus has revealed details and some photos of its upcoming series, Monarch: Legacy of Monsters. The series will continue Legendary's MonsterVerse and will take place in the past and the present after the events of 2014's Godzilla. Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt Russell will play the same character, but an older and younger version of him respectively in flashbacks. Will a father-son Hollywood powerhouse combo intrigue fans of the kaiju? Yeah, so this one kind of surprised me. I didn't really know anything about it until I saw it in our in our news docket document there. And I like the legendary monster verse. You know, I think it's had some highs and lows. I think the the 2014 Godzilla was was servable, but uh, you know, left a little bit to be desired. But I really, really enjoyed Kong Skull Island. So the fact that like this one's going to be doing some flashbacks and playing um, in what. I suspect will be kind of a similar time frame um, that excites me. And I do think, you know, the organization of Monarch has kind of been like the through line. It has been the Nick Fury for this, this universe. And it feels like this universe has just kind of like trudged along. Like they've, you know, not all the films have received the best uh, reception, but they're just like, no, we're committed. We're doing this, which I think, you know, DC might've 
they could have taken a, a page out of their book at least early on. And you even look at like Marvel phase one, like it was not as positively received as I think people tend to remember. So they, you know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, committing to your universe and just kind of, you know, having that faith that things will shake out the way that they're supposed to. But on the other hand, side of things, like we, I think we've talked a lot about how Apple TV plus like the, the quality is just there. So I, I think it makes sense for legendary to want to uh, partner with them. And the fact that Godzilla is going to feature prominently, that shows you where the budget for this thing's going. And um, yeah, I think Apple's just kind of flexing that money. They've been, you know, there've been rumors about them potentially uh, buying Disney. So I guess they, they have the bucks to, to spend there, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for this series. And I'm the only one. Yeah, it's just <laughs> I, I've, I've seen these movies, but it's just it's been so like this is such a spread out IP. Like, I mean, you just mentioned 2014 yeah. Godzilla. Like, we're coming up on yeah. ten years uh, since sure. this uh, universe was introduced. But I think it's been relatively solid. It's been rel- relatively well received uh, for the most part. Uh, and um, I think if you're looking at a series that can explore the world a little bit more, it is interesting that they want to take it in that direction. I didn't really expect that we would see it on Apple TV Plus. I guess like I didn't really catch that 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 was going to happen. Uh, that Legendary would go and partner with Apple TV Plus to do that. But I think it's a good move if you're Apple. I mean, you've already you're you've just wrapped up uh, Ted Lasso. You know, you're starting to see some of their their core shows. Uh, there are being uh, towards the end of their life a little bit, you know? So I think uh, you're looking at it and you're kind of saying, how are we going to draw in an audience that we don't have uh, to our platform? Ted Lasso versus Godzilla. <laughs> that's obviously <laughs> where this is going, yeah. Yeah, that's the crossover everybody never knew they wanted. <laughs> I never asked for. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask for this, but I'll take it. <laughs> My knee-jerk reaction to these kinds of stories uh, and these kinds of announcements, like especially in you know Godzilla and Kong and really all of the monster kaiju things are like, how many different ways can you tell a story of big monster, destroy city, hurt people uh, bad? You're not, you're not going to those movies for the story or the characters. <laughs> no, <It's-> absolutely not. <laughs> but, but I will say, like, even with that thought of like, of course, like, people love these things because like, how many Godzilla movies have there been throughout the years, the right. decades? Like, this is not necessarily a, a type of story that's like tired and that people might be tired of, especially when you put like more nuance to it and more, you know, like your Brian Cranston's in it, your your Tom Hiddleston's, your Brie Larson's, you know, all of that. Like you get those good big name actors in there and like you're gonna draw a crowd. So like I think this might be a good thing for for Apple TV Plus. Like uh, like Jay was saying, like af- after finishing Ted Lasso, like. That's that was a good thing, but like that's really the only thing that I know Apple TV for. So like, you got to bring them in with something else. Like, let's get them with that Godzilla. Come on, come on. <laughs> I highly recommend you watch the show Severance if you need something on Apple TV Plus to watch. I really yeah. don't need another streaming service. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Especially what they're all going up in price. I mean, yeah. Oh know. God, all of them. <laughs> All right, uh, now it's time for us to hear from the people. We've got our Spotify poll update. All right, so we asked, are you going to see Blue Beetle this week? And, uh, well, you probably already know how this is going to go. Only (laughs) 36% of people responded yes, 
and our remaining 64% said no. And uh, I thought that was interesting because, I mean, I expected it to be a little lopsided. I mean, obviously the numbers were low. That's going to be lopsided. But still, like, our audience is mostly into this stuff, you know? <laughs> like, mostly. So I expected, like, it maybe to be, like, a little higher than the <laughs> average public, at least. But that's pretty lopsided. The Stranded but... Panda brand is built on the MCU. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the people have built spoken. Built on the backs of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> and coupled yeah. with a not well-known character it's just not surprising yeah. Yeah. i mean yeah. go watch young justice get some blue beetle yes. action there you, you go. know what i'm saying a better version of the scarab by far as well we didn't really talk about becky g but you know <laughs> no spoilers yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we can chat right. later scotty <laughs> okay sounds good. after ahsoka after ahsoka like <laughs> up, come on for sure oh god i, I forgot sure. priorities we gotta get through this <laughs> we are seven minutes still past. here <laughs> all right all right well in the sense of speeding things up and moving quickly let's do just that with the lightning round for those that might be listening for the first time the way the lightning round works is that we go through a list of topics that we didn't have time to feature as main topics and each one of us has the opportunity to buzz in with our name and if we're the first ones we get to speak on it and everyone is afforded usually or not so usually one rebuttal We'll see how that shakes out. I think out. Uh, Haley coined the term mini butt last uh, last week. A mini yeah, a mini tiny rebuttal, butt. tiny butt. Yeah, tiny rebuttal. Tiny so butt. it's not it's not your rebuttal. It's a tiny rebuttal. It's a tiny butt. <laughs> but Ahsoka. So remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a batini. <laughs> Dick Grayson wouldn't know anything about that for my DC fans. Oh, talk about Nightwing. That's right. The booty himself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hold up, hold up. Let's let's get some butts up on the screen. Let's let's see. <laughs> we gotta compare. Oh God, Jay, don't. What are you doing? Asking the internet for things like that. God. Email all of your DC butt pics uh, to uh, to animation deliberation. <laughs> you just opened Pandora's box for the algorithm. Pandora's butt. <laughs> Pandora's tiny butt. Oof. <laughs> First up, we've got Netflix has released the trailer for the upcoming anime series Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. The series returns most of the cast from 2010's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in voice acting roles and will debut on November 17th. Scotty. Sorry, <laughs> just taking this one. Uh, this, this was an awesome trailer. It did everything that it was supposed to do. It captured the look of the graphic novel, but also just totally captured the feel of that uh, film from Edgar Wright. Uh, yeah, I... Don't think we heard any of the voice actors outside of the drummer that does the We Are Sex Bottle Moms. But, you know, it had that frenetic energy and it just looks amazing. And we're going to talk about another trailer later, but this this did it right. Like when you release a trailer, it needs to be like a certain length of time and not go on for too long. But. <laughs> All right. And next we've got the fantasy series Warrior Nun, which was canceled by Netflix after two seasons, is set to return as a trilogy of films. The series has been the subject of a strong fan campaign to revive the show after its cancellation. Jay, um, this was an extremely strong fan campaign to try to get this uh, show back. People were really mad because Netflix has a habit of doing this, of putting a season or two out there and drawing in an audience. And it's probably not a big audience, which is why they get canceled. But this was one of those shows that got a really passionate audience to follow it. And then they canned it. And so people got mad like they do uh, and went on the Internet. And you had kind of a I think this is just kind of the thing now, like after the success of the like 
put the Snyder cut on HBO Max or whatever, I think you will see a lot more successful movements like this because Mm -hmm. uh, for better or worse, I guess. But I think you will see a lot of fan empowerment to feel like that they can fight for series to come back that have been canceled. Um, Some others come to mind that I don't know if they'll have to push, but like Willow has got kind of a push going on. People are pretty mad about that. Um, That You got the whole air cut thing, but like, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is a good example of when a fan group can get together and try to bring something back. So I I wasn't, I didn't really watch the show, but for people who are into it, like, yeah, more power to you. Enjoy your three minutes. You're going to lose all the, you're going to lose all the characters you care about. Does anybody remember Firefly? <laughs> yeah, we remember it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Chris Evans' girlfriend is the lead actress in this show. That's why it got canceled. Too many haters. Jelly. <laughs> I think that's why it's being brought back. <laughs> and we've got Blue Beetle barely dethroned Barbie for the number one spot at the domestic box office this weekend, despite pulling in a lighter than expected $25.4 million domestically and $43 million globally. The film is one of the softest starts in the history of the DC Cinematic Universe. Just you wait. (laughs) I think what I would talk about with Haley, by the way. um, (laughs) Who? (laughs) There's no time for names. Shush. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, so another big box office news is how much money um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny are losing. They're both scheduled to lose like $100 million. And it kind of just pairs with our conversation about Blue Beetle. Like the, the budget wasn't as high as these other feature films. So are they technically making out okay? It's just, it's been a really weird summer for movies. Tom Cruise got hit with that pink mushroom cloud. You know, you yeah, couldn't, he couldn't, uh, you couldn't, couldn't prep for that. Just Barbenheimer's gonna Barbenheimer. Well, and that was the whole summer, like blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster, and then yeah, the Barbenheimer just could not be denied. Yeah. Disney has announced that several series previously available only on Disney Plus will be available for physical purchase, including The Mandalorian, Loki, and WandaVision. The physical media will include a Blu-ray set and extra features, including. Special making of clips, gag reels, and concept art. The titles will be available for pre-order beginning August 28th. Jeff, I'm so excited. <laughs> like, yeah. these these series are, you know, beloved. Especially with the behind-the-scenes features and, and making of clips and whatnot. Like, especially in, in, like, WandaVision. I fully plan to deep dive into those and show you everywhere where Mephisto is, <laughs> not is going to be, not was, not was considered, is. So tune in uh, on Twitch when Jeff is going to do that. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to roll my whiteboard in here and just be like, okay, listen. It's like six hour Mephisto stream, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Would watch. <laughs> it's like that Charlie Day on the whiteboard thing where he's like got all the... <laughs> Yeah, my hair is just going to be super frazzled. <laughs> it's been three days. <laughs> he hasn't slept the entire time. Someone needs to do a wellness check on that man. He hasn't slept. <laughs> His theories are starting to make sense, though, and that's the crazy part. Am I? Am I him? <laughs> I'll do a quick tiny butt here and just say it'll be interesting to see what the the pre-orders look like come August twenty eighth. Are these things going to sell out like that? Go like hotcakes? Or, you know, two of them. Yeah, are you? (laughs) I don't know. 
Two of each one. <laughs> you got to keep okay. one for the wall and one for watching. There are people out there that have a shelf of like all the MCU Blu-rays, and they are mm. s- like, and they're completionists, and they're so yeah. deeply mad that they can't put these series into the completionist, sure. uh, you know, library. So right. good for them. You get a couple on the mm. shelf. Zoo of of animation deliberation is a, a, a stalwart steelbook collector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He keeps sending me pictures every time he gets a steelbook. He's like, oh, look, it's so beautiful. I'm like, you're right, it is, but God, it's expensive. I just put all my DVDs away. (laughs) So I'm kind of like, shit. (laughs) I got to get them back out. I don't think these series were ever in danger of being, you know, pulled from Disney Plus like Willow was. But uh, if, you know, like Jeff kind of alluded to, if Disney Plus does go by the wayside, these are, you know, you're going to be glad you have the physical media. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell reunited in the first trailer for Good Burger 2. The first Good Burger premiered on Nickelodeon in 1997 and was a spinoff from Thompson and Mitchell's sketch routine on All That. Man. Scotty. No, go ahead. I didn't even no. say my name, so you got it. <laughs> okay. I didn't play by the rules. <laughs> we talked offline that this was, you know, this was going to be a hit with all the 90s kids that had cable anyway. And, rude. Uh, so <laughs> rude. I'm so sorry. I'm so I need aloe for that. Who's that he talking hurts. about? <laughs> sorry. It was, it was cruel. I'm sorry. So uncalled for. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, girl, <laughs> she lives in Kansas. I Damn. have a PBS household. <laughs> She got. She was. She watched Wishbone, and that was it. Right? <laughs> reading Rainbow. She got reading Rainbow. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, Lavar. Uh, come on, Lavar. Come on. How you gonna diss on Lavar like that? Oh god. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we can come back from this. One. So Jay, hopefully you have something insightful to say. But I, I loved all that growing up, and uh, you know, Good Burger was one of my favorite skits. I also loved Keenan and Kel that show, and. Uh, Actually, I didn't realize until we we covered this story that the the movie premiered on Nickelodeon. I, for whatever reason, I recalled it being a theatrical release, but maybe that wasn't the case. But I'm kind of hoping that you know this is the rare exception in terms of sequels that come many years down the line, and will actually recapture that magic while you know uh, pushing the envelope. And I'm actually really help, happy for uh, Kel Mitchell. Like Keenan Thompson has enjoyed a lot of success, but Kel seems to have. Uh, disappeared into another realm of the multiverse so for him to to be able to be back in the spotlight i think is is great and a little tiny butt here sure the the conversation we've had a lot on this show is how do you do nostalgia right and it's a very specific formula there's so many ways to do it wrong and hollywood does it wrong all the time and they throw something Mm -hmm. at you and they think just because it's this guy who played this role and now he's in the role again you're gonna lap this up you know or whatever like they think we're gonna love it and throw money at it but really that's not what people want like they want to feel a certain way when they watch something nostalgic so i think if you grew up in the 90s and you watch nickelodeon this has the potential to be that but it's just can they do it you know can they pull off that nostalgia factor without just being like well we're gonna make it because you're gonna watch it right because you were a 90s right. kid or whatever you have money no. you're gonna like, get no you can't, know this. you can't tell me what to do i'll see it if i want to see it <laughs> you're not my real dad <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand millennial culture get out of here you may have raised me but you're not my real dad <laughs> yeah. 90s kid anybody get raised on tv just me cool <laughs> Uh, got a little booster seat for you, though, Scotty. Um, okay. You know, to to raise up your tiny butt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it probably felt like a theatrical release because you were younger. You were very much younger, sitting in the in the living room floor with the TV sure. this big in front of your face. It feels sure. like the cinema. Sure. It's sure. the same thing, basically. Yeah, just ask Martin Scorsese. Good Burger is cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon released its first trailer today as well. The Netflix sci-fi film stars Sofia Boutella, Charlie Hunnam, Jaman Hansu, and Carrie Elways, among others. We'll see a princess try to stop a war, spaceships, lasers, and aliens in Snyder's concept that was originally pitched to Star Wars prior to the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm. Jay, man, like if you, if you went to an AI bot, and you said, I want you <laughs> to generate a Zack Snyder Star Wars movie. This is the yeah. exact trailer that it would put out. Like, um, But with that being said, uh, this trailer was awesome. Like, I was really drawn in by this trailer. I thought it looked... Mm. I mean, it was very Zack Snyder. Like, if you're not into, like, Zack Snyder styles with, like, the slow motion and the camera pan and all that, like, and the... Um, the big big like scenes with explosions and slow falling dirt and all that like if you're not into that like you're not going to like it probably but i'm really intrigued by this and what i'm most intrigued by is that is it is a unique story which is something that's mm. so lacking in our content now of reboots and revivals and book to movie adaptations and you know all that type of stuff like which has its place but like the idea of just this is a brand new unique source material story that's really exciting to me uh, I'll, I'll be quick with my re rebuttal here uh I made a snide comment earlier about a, a trailer that went on for a little bit too long, and it was this one. This one clocked in at like <laughs> three minutes and 43 seconds. That is not a teaser trailer. It is a little too long. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll give you that. <laughs> As the trailer began, like I really felt the influence, like I think when Snyder uh, pitched his, you know, his Rogue One concept to, uh, to Lucasfilm, he kind of like mentioned wanting to go back to like the films of Akira Kurosawa, who very much inspired Star Wars and kind of do like a, a 12 samurai type story and i really felt those vibes initially like seeing you know the hand kind of gladiator style on the like reeds and the grass and whatnot and i i continued to really like it i thought it had you know a really nice aesthetic and it was like very clearly Zack snyder but it, it felt like it was doing you know something pretty artistic and then i was like okay starting to look like you know kurosawa star wars meets dune and then the longer it went on it was like okay like this feels a little bit too much like Star Wars. Like I'm seeing the red lightsabers and I'm seeing the blue lightsabers. And I was just like, okay, you should have just stopped at like a minute, a minute 30 or something like that. And I would have been over the moon, over the rebel moon about this trailer. But um, as it is, I'm still excited about it, but I, I think they should have held back a little bit. It's fair. Wait, a Zack Snyder thing went on too long? <laughs> yeah, did you, did you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League? Uh, that I, did, I did. Four hours of black and white? I, I, uh, I broke it up into two sittings, so it's kind of fitting that this one's being broken up into two films. <laughs> All right, and our final lightning round entry. Kelsey Grammer reprises his iconic role of Fraser Crane in the revival series coming to Paramount Plus on October 12th. The streaming platform released official photos showing Frazier returning to Boston, where he first appeared in the long-running show Cheers, but without some of his Seattle castmates. Jeff. Jay. Oh. What? Jeff? 
You're going to trot on my favorite <sighs> Haley, Haley's cracking You're her the guest. Haley's cracking her knuckles like she's ready to get after this You're story. The <laughs> <laughs> after I don't know, you. You, you can go ahead. The only thing I want to say is, <laughs> well, those are my sentiments as well. So, <laughs> Frasier is one of my top five all-time favorite network TV shows. Uh, it's on one of my rotation that my husband and I just watch shows at night, and it's Frasier, The Office, and Parks and Rec. And I literally, to quote Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. hate the idea of this revival. John Mahoney, who played Kelsey Grammer's dad, is dead. His dog has been dead for centuries at this point, basically. <laughs> and David Hyde Pierce, who plays his brother, declined to come back to the show. Mm. And the Fraser Niles thing, brother thing, is what part of what made the show so wonderful. And right. I, I'm like to show my level of loserdom. I'm in a Fraser fan Facebook group, so I don't whatever come at me. And <laughs> everyone's like, no, <laughs> no. And I love Kelsey Grammer. Um, he's had a really tragic like life if you know anything about his life or just look him up he's had a lot of horrible things happen to him throughout his life he played beast at x-men if you guys don't know who i'm talking about um that was that one of the horrible things yeah, n- no <laughs> no you'd Are feel you bad sure? if you knew <laughs> I think it was. Um, but i just i don't like this i don't like this i'm sad <laughs> like if ever there was a, a, a an instance of nostalgia gone wrong Harping on or like picking at nostalgia, like, ooh, this'll get us money. Yeah. It's this. It's this. He's literally played this character in three television shows already. Yeah. Like, if he's good for it, let him do it on uh, TikTok videos and people will love it. Kelsey, just go to your brewery, brew your beer, <laughs> live your amazing and, you know, life and retirement and like, but here we are. They have already done it. It's done. Sometimes holding back the revivals can actually get the fan base more invested in your property. Like I think Friends is a good example. Like Friends could have done a, re- a revival probably. I mean, they probably had the opportunity to do that. I know those cast members are like making bank uh, basically when their contracts, but they could have done it. And I think the fan base really said, we don't really want a Friends revival. Like we kind of like what happened with it and we're kind of cool with it the way it ended. So they did the, the meat special or whatever on HBO and people watch that like it was one of HBO's mm-hmm. most viewed things uh, the year that it came out so I think like when you're looking at that as an example I think a lot of place or a lot of series can take that as a good example or you could look at some of these other revivals that have kind of fallen flat on their face a little bit uh, from these like beloved shows they they typically don't really work out is what we've seen nope yeah Yep. And I don't have Paramount Plus, so I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. That's all I got. <laughs> Those I eggs it. are rotten at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> all right. Well, this was a fun edition of Multiverse News. Thank you all for being here. Let's uh, go around the proverbial horn and let the people know what else we have going on mr jeff randall thank you for being here where can people find you elsewhere if they don't already know (laughs) check us out at the marvel cinematic universe podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts um we are actually in we're on the slate right now for uh for the podcast awards at podcastawards.com uh we are on the slate for tv and film uh if you are someone who has gone on to nominate shows and uh, selected the checkbox to like, uh, you know, tell me to, or send me the request to vote. I will vote. Uh, if you volunteered, that's the word I'm looking for. 
<laughs> check your email to see what the instructions are for voting on that. And we just, we need everybody to get behind us and vote for us. Very cool. All right. And Haley. Well, Brian and I saw Blue Beetle and we both very much enjoyed it. So if you want to hear us talk about the movie and the comics we read before, we just dropped that episode literally tonight. Uh, it's available now when you're listening. And that's Source Pages, where we read comics and novels as primers to all the geeky TV shows and movies you love. And Ahsoka's up next. <laughs> and Mr. Sassoon. Uh Yeah, you can find me on Commute the Podcast, a weekly educational show where we try to cover three interesting things in 20 minutes or so. Uh, it's something perfect for you to listen to in the car on the way to work or wherever you go. Awesome. As for me, I want to mention Animation Deliberation. That's the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously, with a special reminder that that uh, ship that episode that Haley mentioned where she and Zuhair basically gave you a roadmap to understanding everything you need to know about the character of Ahsoka before going into the series. Check that out. And I also had the opportunity to appear on Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater to talk about the A24 horror film Talk to Me. And that was a lot of fun. That's available wherever you get podcasts now. And uh, un- not until next time. It's just uh, <laughs> wow. You stay classy, multiverse. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. <laughs> it <Question>. feels weird. <laughs> no, it's not right. <laughs>